Hello. Welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne, reporting to you in the middle of April, just about a week before Earth Day. I hope this doesn't sound too controversial, but I like the Earth. It's definitely my favorite planet, and I'm very much on board with trying to mitigate the harm that we as a species are inflicting on it. Or really, not the Earth. The Earth's fine. The Earth's going to keep rotating on its axis for much longer than we're here. But I would like us and our fellow species to stay here for as long as we can, and that means looking after the environment. I try to do my part. I recycle. I compost. I turn off the lights when I don't need them. I ride mass transit. I don't even own a car, which is comparatively easy for me. I live in New York. I don't need a car. But I carry my own tote bags with me to reduce my plastic usage. I use my own cutlery when I get takeout. In general, I shop with the environment in mind. Quite coincidentally, Earth Day, April 22nd, is also my birthday. I was raised by two pretty hardcore environmentalists. When I was growing up in the 1970s and 80s, my parents would save their newspapers until the one day a month when they could take it all to a local supermarket to be recycled. That's how you had to do it back then, back when environmentalism was a radical thing. It was called ecology back then. We composted all of our food scraps in our backyard garden. We didn't waste anything. So... I tend to roll my eyes when companies talk about safeguarding the environment like it's something that they've just discovered, or when they pretend that they're doing something incredible when they're really just not being terrible. But I am heartened by the fact that companies are doing that, that that even the ones that aren't being super duper green are at least paying lip service to it, that it's, it's no longer some crazy radical thing, and if my parents were still around, people wouldn't be rolling their eyes behind their backs, while my parents did perfectly normal things like save plastic containers for later use instead of throwing them away. In many ways, we've, we've made good progress as a society, and, and another thing that is becoming increasingly normal is treating your employees with respect, paying them decently, keeping your promises to them, treating them like human beings and like valued human beings. And, and my guest for this episode, Chris Morgan, is doing that at Serrata Pizza and Yasmin, his two restaurants in Washington, D.C. We talk about that, and we also talk about some of the really great-sounding food that he's making. And now, here is Chris Morgan. So you have a new restaurant called Pizza Serrata, right? That is correct. And, and are you the owner as well as the chef of this place? I'm, I'm one of them, yes. Um, my business partner, um, Ben Farahani, and I uh, are, uh, we uh, opened the project together. And, and when did it open? Oh, end of January. So, pretty new. I've already heard yeah. about your, your skirt steak sandwich, which sounds great. Yeah, that's a good one. We're really happy with that. So what, tell me all about Pizza Serrata. Um, well, um, we're super excited about the concept. Um, we spent a ton of time working on uh, specifically the dough recipe. Um, we uh, were very careful. We tried to, I mean, a myriad of different combinations of flours, and we landed on a really fun one. We used um, Wade's Mill uh, white and whole wheat flour, 
that is milled um, at a stone ground mill in uh, Rafine, Virginia, R-A-P-H-I-N-E. Um, and uh, that's there. It's a family owned company. Um, they're really, really awesome people. So we're super happy to support them. And it's an incredible product. So um, we were, you know, we're always, I think every time I'm doing anything, you know, you're looking for, especially when you're doing something like pizza that a lot of people do, you're looking for individual, um, you know, areas where you can stand apart from the competition. And I think that's one area that we're really excited about is, you know, no one's, you know, sourcing that flour for pizza. Um, and, uh, it, it's resulted in an incredible product. Um, we do a 24 hour, um, room temp ferment. Um, we have an eight year old sourdough starter. Uh, so sourdough is the base. Um, and we, we bake fresh every morning. Um, and, uh, and we, we use the same dough that we use for our pizzas as well as for our sandwiches. Um, so the, the dough is super interesting as well. It's a focaccia style pizza dough. Um, uh, but definitely, uh, a little more structure to it than your typical focaccia. So it holds up you know, eating as a pizza. Um, but it's a really interesting crust and crumb. So, you know, the outside is super crispy. Um, you get that like richness that you get from like, you know, the old school, like butter crust pan pizzas, but it's, it's still lighter than that. It's an olive oil based, uh, dough recipe. So it's a, a nice clean bite. Um, but it also is conducive to like a, you know, a slew of different fun toppings. Um, you know, we have some more traditional stuff, like we have a pepperoni, we have cheese, we have a tomato pie. Um, but then we have some really interesting combinations, uh, one of which is newer called the Del Bar. It's a, actually a fried calamari pizza. Um, so it's uh, fried calamari, garlic aioli, uh, vodka sauce, arrabbiata sauce is the base as well. So two sauces, then fresh mozzarella cheese, um, and then the fried calamari, garlic aioli, and parsley. That one's phenomenal. Um We've got a Reading Terminal, which is an ode to Denix, the roast pork place in Reading Terminal in uh, Philly, um, which is like a, a vodka sauce uh, pizza on top. But you have roast pork. We make our own porchetta in-house. So it's porchetta, broccoli rob, uh, pickled cherry peppers, um, and mozzarella, and a uh, sharp provolone, an aged provolone that goes on that. So that one's super fun. Um and then we have a hot and bothered, which is like, you know, spicy pizza, sweet and spicy pizzas are a big hit these days. We made a really fun one. That's Arabiata is the base of so spicy tomato sauce, a um, imported soprasada that's spicy as well. Um, and then we use uh, our fresh mozzarella um, and then uh, uh, chili oil, honey and torn basil. That one's particularly excellent. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff. We also have a mortadella pizza that's really interesting. So we use um, pistachio pesto as the base. So it's it's a white pie, and then fresh mozzarella, and then we do um, stracciatella that we also make in house. Um, we make all of our mozzarella in house as well, and I'll talk about that in a second, um, which we make daily. Uh, stracciatella we make from our fresh mozzarella daily, and that goes on the pie. So you've got both of those cheeses mortadella which is shaved super thin studded with pistachios red onion jam which gives it this like nice pop of acidity and sweetness and then um crushed pistachios and uh pecorino cheese um that one is 
one of the sleepers. Uh, you know, the Del Bar and that are, are my two favorites right now. Um, granted, I'm a fan of all of the pizzas, uh, maybe biased, but no, I, I, we've gotten excellent feedback. It's been super exciting. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, you know, I think a big thing we're doing also to separate ourselves is, you know, we, yes, it's a pizza concept, uh, you know, um, but you know, we do as much as we can to elevate it without making it, um, uh, less approachable. So it's super fun. The menu's exciting. It's fun for me because culinarily I can, you know, have, it's kind of, you know, a little pizza playground but we also do a lot of the things the right way. So we're sourcing a lot of our ingredients locally. We get, you know, we make as much as we can. We make everything from scratch. All of our sauces obviously are made from scratch, pizza dough, dough you know, and then we make our own mozzarella, which I don't think a lot of people are doing in DC, um, which is a time consuming process, but it's a labor of love. And we, you know, we're really excited about that. And then the stracciatella as well. We make, you know, it's we suspend it in, in a local heavy cream after uh, we uh, pull it. And uh, that one's particularly excellent as well. Stracciatella is basically like shredded mozzarella, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that all sounds pretty uh, remarkable. Clearly, you have a fine dining background. I do. I do. do. Yeah, I worked I worked uh, in the fine dining circuit for the majority of my career. Um, you know, I, I was in San Francisco for a long time. And then I moved back to DC, um, where I'm from, I'm from Northern Virginia, from McLean. And, um, uh, I was, you know, opened, uh, um, restaurant, which was kind of when, when whole animal butchery was on first on the scene, I opened a restaurant called the partisan, which was a big hit back then with neighborhood restaurant group. Then I went over to open the Dabney, which is one of the best restaurants in DC. We won a Michelin star there. Um, I was the executive sous chef. Um, that's when I got into live fire. Um, so I was a live fire kitchen. Um, then I went on to open, I was a corporate chef for a little while in between that. Then I opened a restaurant called Maidan, um, where we won Michelin star and a ton of other accolades. Um, and then I met my business partner, uh, uh, Ben and, and he and I have been, uh, working on a ton of new fun concepts. One of which is pizza serrata, um, that we're really excited about, uh, since then. So, lot of lot of goals um present and future facing um but yeah all exciting stuff so you know for me i you know i want to we both want to come up with fun and exciting concepts that that you know are places that we want to go eat you know um as much as you know a big focus of ours obviously is making sure that whatever we're coming up with is appealing to any and everyone but i think you know i'm fine dining for me isn't what i look to go you know, that doesn't really pique my interest is like what I want to go eat tonight or today on a daily basis. I think it's an occasional thing that I find to be fun. I respect all of the chefs who produce the utmost quality food at the high end level, you know, and I think that fine dining is a beautiful thing. It's just not my thing at, at that level per se. Um, you know, I'm more into the casual fine dining and below. Um, but, you know, I have a it's fun when I'm able to have a concept like pizza serrata where I can really be exploratory. I can flex my culinary guns, if you will, but also, you know, um, have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. I, it sounds like you can, you know, be just as chefy at your pizzeria and that, that you're doing all of that. Oh, you know, yeah. artisanal bread and uh, fancy sauces and super high quality meat, et cetera. So that's 
Super fun. Now, now it sounds like you have other restaurants in the works or that are already open. What's what's up? Uh, we do. Um, we have right now we have a, a really fun Lebanese kebab shop called Yasmin. Um, that's also in D.C. right up the street from Pizza Serata and Union Market. Um, that one's uh, been doing really well. We opened uh, end of last year or late fall. Um and that one's really exciting. Um, you know, I, I was spent a lot of time cooking Middle Eastern food. So that one is, uh, you know, close to home for me. Um, and my, uh, one of our business partners there is Lebanese Palestinian. It's named after his grandmother. Yes. Mean, um, that one's been a lot of fun. And then, uh, we do have some other projects in the works. Um, one of which is a, uh, casual fine dining uh persian concept that's going to be opening in tyson's corner um in june late may june ish date tbd uh but that one we're really 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 excited about i can't give you a ton of information on that unfortunately but um that is uh that is something that we've been working on my business partner um has been working on that for years it's been a concept that he's wanted open for a very long time and i share a passion for um persian food as well uh, i had an early exposure to it and um growing up in the northern virginia area and and we're really 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 excited about that one i think it's going to be uh, you know there's there's definitely some persian restaurants locally and in the u.s but i'm i'm hoping we can set ourselves apart and do something no one's seen before well, yeah, there there are some Persian restaurants, but you know, it's not like Mexican food. It's it's no, not, it's definitely you know. not. Um, do you know what it's going to be called yet? The place in the plane. Uh, yeah, it's going to be called June. So it's J O O N. Uh huh. That must mean something in Farsi. Yeah. It's a term of endearment. It means deer. It's used in a lot of ways. So all of that stuff sounds super awesome. Uh, but you, you have a fine dining background, but you say you're not super into fine dining. So how did you get into cooking and how did you end up going the fine dining route? Um, I mean, I've been, you know, professionally cooking for 17 years. I have been into food my whole life. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to grow up with a family with a lot of really good cooks, including my mother. Um, so that was kind of, you know, my early exposure relatives and what have you. Um, and then I just, you know, cooking was a means for me to make money growing up. Um, and then I don't really think I took it seriously, though, until... I got to San Francisco, um, uh, maybe prior to that, uh, when I, you know, that was kind of, I was at a restaurant in Lake Tahoe and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to keep doing this. I really love the energy. It works with my brain. Um, you know, I'm, I love multitasking. I kind of thrive in the chaos. So for me, that was exciting. I decided to go to culinary school and then I worked in some fine dining restaurants, uh, in California. You know, I got to be, there, which is in San Francisco, I think there's fewer places in the world that have that, that kind of access to fresh produce. Um, you know, seasonality doesn't even really matter. Like we're, we're handicapped here in the winter months, but out there it's a, it's a 
damn playground. So, you know, I was really excited to work for people like Judy Rogers. I, you know, I spent uh, time at uh, Zuni Cafe. I got to work under Charles Fan um, at Slain Door Restaurant Group. I, you know, um, I've, you know, I was, I was very, very lucky. And then, um, you know, I think for me, you know, foundationally having the experience of fine dining is important um, because, you know, it provides you with real structure. Um, and I come from the age of chefs where you get yelled at and you come into work nervous. I know that's not particularly popular anymore and rightfully so, but I think there is also a benefit to that, that like, you know, my era of, of chefs and cooks um, are disciplined, not that current cooks aren't, but I think there's just a, you know, we were, I was nervous every day I went to work that, you know, if I didn't have my stuff tight and ready and organized and if my apron wasn't clean and my chef's coat wasn't like sparkling that, you know, I might not be able to come to work the next day. And I think that's something that like was instilled in us that helped us grow. And, you know, it really put a, put a fire under all of us, you know, my, myself and my coworkers out in San Francisco and, you know, at my restaurant and other restaurants alike, and I think that was, you know, a big motivator for me. And I also respected the craft even more because, you know, it's, it, uh, cooking is a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, it's exciting. It can be really exciting. And I think if you have the right people above you who you can learn from and it can educate you on the, you know, the nuances of cooking. And, and, uh, I think it's also, it's really important. I think in the process of learning how to cook that you learn why you do certain things and why you don't do certain things and how things, you know, I think providing because the restaurant world can be so chaotic. Fine dining does provide people with a lot of structure. And I think taking those lessons that you learn in those environments and applying them to things like a pizza concept um, are, you know, what gives you an opportunity to produce a better product than others might be able to. And, uh, you know, so yeah, and there there is something to be said for, you know, uh, having really high expectations for your staff and maybe being a little bit of a jerk when, you know, those expectations aren't met and letting people know in no uncertain terms what you want and and how they should do it. And, you know, yeah. even though that's not people, well, I, I don't know, maybe you still do that in your restaurants, probably not. I, I don't actually, I think what I've adapted, what I've kind of, change i'm not a yeller i don't um i treat people with respect when respect is you know earned that is i mean definitely if someone's being unkind or or rude or inappropriate i don't stand for that but if you know if you're making mistakes or you're but you're trying or any number of things like i like to lead by example i think that you know where the best chefs that I've ever worked for are better cooks than everyone in the kitchen. They can go in the kitchen, they can cook their own menu. They can show you how they want everything done. And then it's just about, you know, maintaining that consistency and teaching how you like things done to these individuals. And, you know, if you're passionate about what you're doing, it'll motivate them, you know, tenfold. And I think you'll see ultimately um, happier cooks, uh, you know, uh, and a better product hitting the plate. And I think for me, a big thing is just high standards. You know, um, I, I like to keep things positive. I like positive reinforcement, you know, 
myself and my business partner are both really big on on rewarding people when they work really hard or do a good job on you know on every level from cooks to managers to what have you and i think it's a hard job and i think treating people with respect is you know we're very fortunate that we don't have a lot of turnover because we i've worked with some of the people that work for me now have worked with me for 10 years a lot of them actually and it's uh that's a really i pride myself in that um and i and i hope that stays to be the case because you know we're we've basically become like a family and uh yeah and i and yelling happens but i don't yell very often i think anyone that would listen to this that's worked for me knows that if i am yelling something very bad happened but it's i don't i don't belittle people or you know call them names or any of that stuff that used to happen to me i mean i just i'll express my frustration about something but you know i, I think there's no real there's nothing productive that comes out of that except people get really scared. I think uh, there's better ways to deliver criticism or um, or get what you need. So how did you figure that out? I mean, there's, you know, for example, in families, if you have an abusive father, you're probably going to be an abusing father yourself because that's just sort of those sort of things perpetuate themselves. And I think that also has happened traditionally in restaurant culture. So how did you figure out that that wasn't the way that you wanted to run your restaurants? Um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to work for people that did rule with an iron fist um, in an, um, in a way that I don't think was productive. And then I was work, I also worked for people that, you know, had everyone running nervous, but they um, were still a, a joy to work with. And I think there's ways to do it and ways not to do it. And you know, for me, I, I think, you know, one of the things I did in my early in my career is I sought out restaurants that were in the opening process because I was interested in opening restaurants of my own one day and I wanted to learn the ins and outs. And and I think I was lucky that I got to see many different um, management styles. And I kind of just from that created my own management style that slowly grew over the years. I didn't I wasn't a perfect manager. I'm still not today, but I think I've developed a management style that I'm proud of. Um, over the years based on kind of picking and choosing uh, things that I wanted to take with me. You know, I, I still work with chefs during events and pick up little things that I'm like, wow, that's cool that you do that. I love that. I'm going to start doing that. Um, you know, so. Yeah. It's not like you're going to know everything about how to run restaurants or treat people because nobody knows that. So it's, it's always a, a continuous learning process. Yeah, it is. I imagine and that's one of, that's part of the, that's part of the fun, you know? Right. So did you want to say more about your, the mozzarella that you make in house? I feel like there was more to that. Um, yeah. I mean, we take, basically we take mozzarella curd um, and um, it's really, really simple. You salt the mozzarella, we heat water to a particular temperature, you pour the mozzarella over top of it. And then the, it is very temperatures and time specific. So you do have to work quickly and make sure that, you know, even if the room's a little colder, you have to adjust the water temp, things like that. So there's a science to it. And then, you know, basically you slowly work the cheese to stretch it. And then basically you're trying to, you're trying to take the curd and stretch it until it's extremely silky, but it has a, but it has a nice structure to it. And then you will um, form, uh, you can do any number of things here, but what we do is we form it into balls and then store it at room temperature until it cools down a little bit. And then we cool it in the refrigerator covered in plastic so it doesn't develop a film. And then we slice that 
fresh mozzarella and that goes on all of our pizzas um which i think once again it's like the salinity is beautiful the the overall flavor is just i mean you can't beat it i mean you, you can buy any kind of fresh mozzarella you want but making it yourself is it's just better um and uh it, it's fun too you know it's an exciting way to kind of that uh je ne sais quoi when you take a bite of the pizza and you're like wow this is really fucking good but you're not you can't figure out what it is i mean that's one of the things i think we do a lot of things that provide that hopefully but i think that is one area where we definitely uh are super proud of our product yeah that that uh roast pork sandwich the reading terminal one sounds especially good i had my first that one's that one's a pizza we have a roast right, pork meant... sandwich too yeah yeah Sorry about that. Yeah, that I, I first had one of those sandwiches in 2012. I still remember because it was the best thing I ate that year. That's It's such an incredible... I, I hate, people hate me when I say this, but I think that the cheesesteaks are overrated. The roast pork sandwich from Philly is the greatest thing that ever happened to sandwiches, in my opinion. I like, I, I, there aren't many sandwiches that I'd rather eat than a proper like John's or Denick's roast pork sandwich. Yeah, they're incredible. And I, I love a cheesesteak, but only in Philadelphia. I don't know why you can't get a good cheesesteak outside of Philadelphia. It's, it's tough. Simple. And it's weird because it's simple. It's like yep. steak and onions and, and yep. expensive cheese. And yet, on a soft roll, and yet it's yep. really hard to find outside of Philly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that one area that I think sandwiches fall flat is the bread. You know, we're... Um, you know, I think of the bread dictates the quality of the sandwich as much as the ingredients do, if not more so, you know, and I think for, for us, you know, we're, we're really, um, I, the reason I'm so in love with our sandwiches at Pizza Serrata is it's, we're sourcing, you know, everything, like I said, locally, we're making a lot of the meats and things that are on the sandwiches in house, all the sauces are made from scratch. And then we make the dough in-house every morning and it's just beautifully fresh it toasts up incredibly well it's got this amazing texture that i've never had on a sandwich that i'm absolutely in love with and it and it holds up really well for hot cold room temperature sandwiches the, the like so it's it's really really special and it's also like focaccia like the pizza dough right yeah it's the same dough so exact same dough so what what you got pizza on the menu what and you have sandwiches. Uh, what else is, is there? Pieces uh, we use our stracciatella for like a little starter. We have that with induya. So we we have induya and stracciatella finished with some nice um, Sicilian olive oil, malt and salt. And that's served with toast points, which are also made from our uh, pizza dough. Um, we have a beautiful spinach and artichoke dip that's has about four different kinds of cheese in it. Uh, that's really special. We finished that in the oven in the cast iron with um, lemon zest and breadcrumbs that are also from our pizza um, uh, that have a bunch of dried herbs packed into them. So it's a, you know, definitely an elevated version of that dish. Uh, um, we have some amazing wings. That is quite the process. Uh, we cure chicken wings. Um, free range birds are delicious. Um, and we cure them overnight with a bunch of spices and the fresh herbs and garlic and then we rinse them off after overnight and then we toss them in uh, baking soda and uh, that really helps the crispiness in the frying process and we basically let them dry out in the walk-in overnight um, uh, to build this kind of skin which is activated via the baking soda and then we fry them from there and then we have a 
bunch of sauces and things that we toss them in. We have like a Calabrian chili buffalo sauce. A lot of the flavors lean Italian at Pizza Serata. Um, and, uh, you know, we make our own Calabrian chili buffalo sauce, which is really special. We have a, uh, you have the option to toss them with actually with Induya. So that, you know, spreadable sal hot salami, you can, it renders out over the chicken wings. And that also goes out with caramelized onions, crispy garlic, uh, Sicilian oregano, um, tossed into the wings. So it's like this, like unctuous, meaty, porky chicken wing. Um, and then we have a ton of different sauces to dip into. We've got ranch, Calabrian ranch, tomato aioli, Calabrian mayo. Uh, um, I'm blanking right now. There's a ton of other sauces. Um, we have our pizza sauce, our arabiata, our vodka sauce, all of which are available as condiments. So any sauce that you see on a sandwich or on a pizza, you can get not only for dipping your sandwiches into, you can dip the wings into it, you can dip your um, uh, pizza crust, where the pizza itself, um, which is really awesome. The key, the crust is so dang good that like putting dipping the crust when you're eating your pizza into like ranch, for example. I know some people are like, you know, anti that. It's absolutely delicious. So um, I like ranch on anything. So yeah, people are anti a lot of things. Then they shouldn't eat mm -hmm. it. That's up to them. You know. Yeah. And so your wings take three days to make. That's pretty incredible. And uh, um. It's weird that pizza, that wings are the most popular appetizer with pizza. It just seems like such an odd combination. And yeah. well, that's what we grew up with, you know. At I least for me, it. I I grew up ordering wings and pizza every time. It was you know, very rarely would I get pizza without wings when I was a kid. It will provided my parents are willing to pay for it. And you grew uh, up in the Virginia area. I did. I grew up in McLean. Yeah, right out about five miles outside DC, where ranch on pizza is the custom, as I understand it, as it is in much and of the state. Butter, yeah, butter dipping sauce for Papa John's and ranch on pizza. So, and my lot, you know, I, I have a lot of family in North Carolina and I spent time there in college too. And ranch, ranch on everything is big down there. So that was, that one stuck with me also. Um, and then we, we also have, a, you know, a really delicious salad um, on the menu. Um, that is one of my favorites. It's whipped ricotta as the base and, uh, you know, arugula, pickled onions. Um, it's a, it's a phenomenal and roasted beets. We use yellow and uh, chioga beets and red beets um, all tossed together with a really awesome lemon vinaigrette. It's super clean, but you kind of eat through the salad into the cheese. So you get this nice sweetness from like a lemon ricotta that we whip in house. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of what else I'm missing here. Um, Pretty well covered. That's a, it's a big Yeah, name. it's a, it's a fair, fairly sizable venue, yeah. Oh, and then we have calamari. We have fried calamari that's awesome. Um, I I think we did an incredibly good job with our dredge, and we served that with uh, with arabiata sauce and uh, garlic aioli. And it's we fried cherry peppers with pickled cherry peppers with the calamari, so you get little bites of pickled cherry pepper and fried calamari in every bite. Sounds great. And you also put the calamari on pizza. We do. So why is it called serrata? Uh, so serrata means party um, in Italian. Um, it also means night. So like, you know, pizza night, pizza party um, was kind of, you know, it's a nostalgic concept in a way like this, you know, for me and, uh, you know, delivery pizza and going somewhere fun to grab pizza is one of those things that I think is nostalgic for a lot of people. And when it's a fun and exciting concept that, you know, you can go in and, 
enjoy the pizza there. You can get it to go. You can get delivery. And it's, you know, the idea is you get a bunch of friends, you order your pizza and apps and sandwiches and, you know, have a little pizza party. And I think it's kind of an, an ode to that with an uh, elevated Italian leaning lift to it, if you will. Yeah, it all it all sounds great. And who doesn't like a pizza party and business? Exactly. Business is great. Um, yeah, we're working on a uh, launching a catering menu right now, which we're really excited about where we're going to use our same pizza dough um, for uh, so our pizza doughs are nine inches. Our sandwiches are six. We're going to be launching a uh, like large format cold sandwiches for um, uh, for catering, um, which will be really fun. So that same dough that I've you know been preaching about, as well as you know pizza and all the sides and and um, we do have a slew of sides as well, like roasted mushrooms. We do like a mushroom trifolati with white wine and garlic. It's awesome. Broccoli rob is a side. Beets is a side. Um, some fun stuff. So there's a lot of options for catering and we're excited for that, but yeah, the restaurant's doing really well. We're excited to be in the, um, in, in Northeast serving the, you know, union market area, a lot of really good feedback and um, excited for the warm weather to hit. Cause we have a badass patio and uh, a retractable garage door that, you know, should bring in even more people to come try and see what we're up to. Sounds like a restaurant that could expand into a chain. Do you have any thoughts on doing that? That, that is our goal. Um, we are looking to um, to grow the brand um, locally at first. Uh, but yeah, we're really excited for, we're already exploring um, our next option for, we'll actually have uh, a location in, so our June, the restaurant I was mentioning is going to have a ghost kitchen um attached to it where we'll be uh, have featuring some of these uh, brands of ours, one of which will be Pizza Serata. So soon enough, you'll be able to order both Yasmin and Pizza Serata if you live local enough to um, Vienna, Virginia. So Tyson's Corner Falls Church, McLean, Great Falls, that neck of the woods, which is all the part of the DMV, as well as I think it'll stretch to Arlington, depending on which delivery platform, but we'll have all of the fun stuff that you normally have to drive to DC to get or live close enough to order to be a third party in the backyard of the people I grew up around the corner from. So that sounds exciting. It makes me want to go to that section of Virginia and have my Colorado <laughs> in Northeast, which is also far because I'm in New York City. Um yeah, yeah. we're we're about out of time, but I want to ask you a little bit more about how you keep your staff because you said you have people following around at different restaurants and as you know, there's a labor shortage and it's hard to keep people. So, so yeah. why, why do you think you're, you're able to keep people? Um, I mean, I think for one, treating people right is the number one most important thing. I think giving people, you know, you go to a lot of places, you know, people preach that they're going to be treated well. They preach that they're going to give people opportunities. I think, you know, we pride ourselves in doing both of those things, you know, and I, as well as paying people a very competitive wage, you know, um, if you, you know, if you work hard, we're going to pay you, uh, pay you well. Uh, we're going to pay you well regardless as a trial. But, you know, we, we, we definitely encourage, we definitely incentivize people with pay increases as well as opportunities like I was mentioning before. And then, you know, we really do want to help people grow within our company. So, if, you know, if someone's excited and, you know, I, I, I know my business partner is big on taking good care of people as they work with our company and, 
and uh, giving them more and more opportunities. And we've seen that just since Jasmine opened. I mean, one of our guys who was a line cook is now a sous chef. One of the guys who was um, a sous chef is now um, our chef de cuisine across both Pizza Serata and Yasmin. I mean, there's, you know, obvious pay increases that come with that additional came in they worked hard and they smiled every day and we, we rewarded them for it and i think that alone is a big thing um you know one of my guys who's been with me for 10 plus years has been working multiple jobs for 10 plus years and uh he's tired of doing it and he and i have you know we sat down with with ben and and figured out a way that we could you know uh make him happy financially and, and allow for him to just work one job and we're going to be moving him to a salary position where he'll be overseeing prep for all of our concepts um, and uh, a big pay, pay increase involved in that. And this guy's just worked hard. He's been an uh, integral part of our team um, and we're really, really happy. I think it's also extremely rewarding on our end to be able to provide these opportunities to people. And, you know, I think too many people blow smoke and say they'll do stuff for you if you work for them. I mean, I was guilty. I mean, I've worked for a lot of people who promised me the world and it never actually happened. Um, but you know it's 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 a lot easier to retain employees if you're true to your word you treat people right you manage with you know by manage and lead by example and uh you know i mean just creating a fun work environment is so very important we work too hard things are too stressful you know giving people a place to work where they actually want to come to work is hard to come by and if you can do that and pay people well you're going to have a lot of success well, it's probably easier to pay people well if they stay because hiring and training people is expensive. Well, yeah. And ultimately, if the staff is happy, the food's going to taste better. Right. You know, it's, it, it's a, it's like the Danny Meyer model. If you're, if you're, you know, investors shouldn't be first, it should be your staff and your team and your employees. If the employees are happy and the staff is happy, the food's going to taste better. The guests are going to have a better experience. The, the investors are going to make more money. Obviously there's nuances to that with all the costs we're incurring with increases in things over the years, but ultimately, once again, it's top down like that, you know, it's, it all comes down to what you're putting out now. Happy. Everyone is making everything and the experience that guests are getting to then, you know, make ends meet. So. Yeah. That's, that's a story I hear a lot and I don't hear at all. Really people said, well, yeah, you know, things were expensive and it was hard. So we, cut corners and bought inferior products and exploited our staff. And then we were successful. I've never yeah, exactly. that happened. No, no, no. Thankfully that's not an option. Right. Well, but for many years people thought it was and they were exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice uh, that in general as an industry, we're turning a corner and, and figuring out how to, you know, treat human beings the way they deserve. Uh, well, we're about out of time. As I said, thank you a lot, Chris Morgan. It's really nice to meet you. And I want to, yeah, thank you. Very nice to meet you as well. And I want to go to DC and eat at all your restaurants. Please let me know. You have my email. Shoot me, I... a, shoot me a message and, uh, and uh, we'd love to have you. Awesome. I love it when people say that. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And, and you have a bunch of restaurants to run, so I'll let you get back to it. Thank you, sir. Great talking with you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for yours.